Hello and welcome to the Joe DeLisi Financial Advisor Podcast, Episode 5. This one, we're going to talk about international investing. Wow, that's a lot of international. That's what I hear a lot from uh, other advisors, actually, usually not clients. So this past Christmas season, right now it's uh, late January, and this past Christmas season, um, you know, I, I use it for relaxation or trying to, you know, obviously in celebration too. But, you know, as most people use it as a time to wrap things up for the year and spend time with friends or family, I took this Christmas season to look back and see, and this is going to sound super exciting, guys, but I wanted to see if the international exposure in my clients' portfolios was still academically sound. Like For me, that is relaxing. And maybe it's because we've got six kids under the age of 17, and if that, you know, we just have to go find relaxation in weird spots. I don't know. But if you've been with me for a while, really any amount of time, you know, that I don't believe in gut hunches or market timing or speculation. In fact, our last podcast was all about speculation and gambling uh, in the year of, a, of an election. Uh, I just don't buy it. I don't believe in it as it comes to investing. And all I know is data. All I know are numbers. I want to know what is academically provable. And once I know that, then I just deliver that to my clients. And then, of course, we add in a very healthy dose of behavior because, you know, you got to stay the course. You can't market time, no speculation. None of that's fun stuff. However, for me to really help my clients behave prudently with their finances, I, first, first, I need to be certain that we're following the data and like what has history actually shown to be true. Because if I, if I can find, if I can be certain, I should say that we are allocated in a manner consistent with what academia teaches us about security prices, then it just makes my job easier to help teach my clients that data. So in the past, I don't know, five, eight, maybe more years or so, I've just seen portfolio after portfolio come through my office that were almost almost 100%, if not actually 100% invested in the S&P 500 index. And while I can't say for sure, I at least believe in my heart that these people or their advisors or the fund companies or whoever, they were probably chasing the hot hand. Now, it's no secret that large U.S. companies have had a great run relative to some of these other indices, but chasing the hot hand isn't something that can be repeated, at least really not with any level of certainty, because if you're chasing returns, you need to be right at least twice every time, right? I mean, you got to be right when to get into that specific market or index, and then you got to be right when to get out of that specific market or index. And if I let my clients do this, they would at the very least miss out on some asymmetric returns and other asset classes over the same period of time. And it's usually, that usually happens very like in bursts, you know, short periods of time. So we don't do that. We'll never do that. Instead, we allocate client equity portfolios across at least 17 different markets around the globe, including domestic uh, markets. And there's many markets here in the U.S., not just the S&P. Now, that phrase, quote, around the globe, quote, is what I focused on in my downtime during Christmas. Um, Because in a in a 95% equity portfolio that we would run, my clients will be almost evenly split between equities in the U.S. and equities internationally. Now, we allocate to large, large value, small, small value, emerging markets, both large and small outside the U.S. And in a, so if you've got like a 50-50 split between domestic and international, that throws some people off. Because I had a conversation with another advisor and we were talking about that weighting. And he said, wow, that's a lot of international, which is why I titled this one, wow, that's a lot of international. Um, And then he told me that I was foolish. And my immediate thought 
and I, I, I will tell you, I, I think I do pretty good with this stuff. Like I don't get upset. I, you know, I don't have an ego around this. My immediate thought was actually, is he right? Because as your advisor, really one of my main jobs is to be constantly learning and constantly worrying for you so you don't have to. And so that began my, began my, uh, my Christmas break excursion into just reams of data to see if he was right. Now, before we get into so I'm just going to warn you, there's some, there's some heavy data in here. I'll try to keep it light, uh, you know, because you're probably in the car doing something else. You don't want to write this stuff down. Um, but let me start with this. I asked the other advisor, why did he say what he said? And I was looking for data. I mean, of course, that's like what I'm looking for. I figured maybe he knew something I didn't. I thought maybe he was researching something like right then that I just wasn't aware of. But that wasn't the case. He just said I was just too heavy. I was just too heavy and international. And when I pressed for a little more, he, he also thought that I was too heavy in small cap. And he thought I was too heavy in value stocks as well. So in other words, he thought basically I should just put all my, or at least the vast majority of my clients' money into large cap U.S. stocks. So I just kind of wrote that off as another case of chasing the hot hand. But <clears throat> pardon me, then I, I thought it through a little and was curious enough to look deeper into the returns. Like, let's actually look. So I began looking at every asset category and I was trying to look at like 10 and 20 year timeframes, you know, different rolling time periods, just picking random time periods. And I was comparing them to the S&P as well as some other indices. Now for simplicity's sake for this pod, uh, I decided to focus on two main asset categories. So we're gonna look at US large cap value and international large cap value. And I'm, where I'm sourcing this is Fama French US Large Value Research Index and Fama French International Value Index. Um, the US, I can take back to 1926. The international, I can only, only go back to 1975. Um, that's just how far back the data goes. Um, and these are indices that are anybody can get their hands on. These are not proprietary. You know, you don't have to pay for them. They're just out there. Okay, so... Every time I write about this or, or talk about this, I will hear, quote, yeah, but what if I'm not invested over that long of a time frame? You know, Joe, what if I don't have 10 or 20 years or longer? And so the answer is, and will always be this, the shorter period you are invested, like if retirement is looming, for example, then of course, the less exposure to equities, equities you'll have. The point of this podcast is to comment on the allocation of whatever equities you actually hold with me. So for some of you, that might only be 20% of your portfolio. And for others, it's 95%. Like for me, I have 90% of my money in, in equities. But whatever percentage you do have, okay, that's what we're talking about here. Whatever percentage you do have in equities, we're allocating that portion equally between domestic and international. Okay, so this, is, this will work no matter how old you are or how young you are. So now for the findings. And again, I'm just distilling like a month's worth of reading and calculating into a few data points just to generally show you what's true over time. So in this case, I looked at, as I mentioned before, several 20-year time uh, rolling time periods. And these are the three that I just picked for today. So 1994 through 2013, 1975 through 2004, and then 2001 through 2020. And what I'm doing is I'm using a lump sum investment. I used to use $100,000 into each category, and I'm not accounting for fees or taxes. And I'm using perfect behavior, right? You just stay in no matter what. So in all three timeframes, international large cap value beats U.S. large cap value. Let me say it again. For all three of those, those rolling time periods, the international beat the U.S. 
The largest difference was by about 800 grand, considering a $100,000 lump sum. And that just happened to be 75 through 2004. The most recent was 2001 through 2020. And we had the US large cap value grew to about almost 300,000, whereas the international portfolio grew to almost 400,000. And this was a time when the US equity market was absolutely on fire. So now, to be fair, the international portfolio, it does come with an increased risk, right? We talk about standard deviation measurement of movement. That's what we look at for risk, measurement of risk. But that's why we allocate the way we do. Like we're looking to capture market returns. I call those, well, I don't call them this. They're called risk premiums. I just refer to that a lot. We're looking to capture those. And we're going to offset the risk, the increased risk, with non-correlated assets, both in the equity and fixed income markets, and, and even outside, like annuities and cash value of life insurance can do that. So what's the bottom line? Let's kind of wrap this up, okay? The bottom line is international may not be the hot hand right now, but we're, we're building a portfolio that can achieve over time your, the personal outcome necessary to accomplish the plan we have built together. In other words, I'm not trying to beat anything. I'm not trying to beat the S&P. I'm not trying to get 14% randomly picking that out of the clouds. What I'm trying to do is build you an accumulation and then income distribution strategy. And we're always going to use more conservative rates of return for that. We just want to hit that. And, you know, part of that plan will now and forever be a healthy allocation to international stocks. That's bottom line number one. Bottom line number two, this is what I do all day. All day, every day, and, and I do it so you don't have to. This is why you hire me. But that doesn't mean you should just trust me. Like if you want to go into a deeper dive on any of these numbers that I just looked at, I invite you to let me know. We'll review it. I, I love talking about this stuff. I'm a little bit of a nerd with that. And while I'm, you know, I'm always going to want to be the one who, quote, worries for you so you don't have to, I never want you to think that I expect you just to take whatever I say, you know, and just just believe it. Like, let me, I'll prove it. The data will always prove the truth. Um, as always, uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Please feel free to share it. You can click in the show notes at the end here, uh, take you to the little uh, quick uh, calculator to be on your phone and you enter in some data, it'll give you some instant feedback, red, green, yellow, you know, how you're doing on your balance sheet, please share it, you know, with friends and, and family, they can just listen to this and click on that. They can even schedule a little consultation if they choose. Compliance, registered representative and financial advisor, Park Avenue Securities, LLC, pass OSJ 5280 Carroll Canyon Road, Suite 300, San Diego, California, 92121 Securities products and advisory services offered through past member FINRA SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Pass is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Westpac Wealth Partners LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Passer Guardian. Insurance products offered through Westpac Wealth Partners and Insurance Services LLC, a DBA of Westpac Wealth Partners LLC, California, insurance license number OD34103. This podcast is for informational purposes only, not in not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by past Guardian and Westpac Wealth, and the opinions stated are their own. Guardian and subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting service. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general use. Past 
Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Indices are unmanaged and one cannot invest directly in an index. Equities may decline in value due to both real and perceived general market, economic, and industry conditions. Investing in securities of smaller companies tends to be more volatile and less liquid than securities of larger companies. Investing in foreign securities may involve heightened risk, including currency fluctuations, less liquid trading markets, greater price, price volatility, political and economic instability, less publicly available information and changes in tax or currency loss. Such risks are enhanced in emerging markets.